This is the Lost Start of Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lost Start of Communication podcast. Today, we have with us Robin Barone. She is the founder of Diplomat Books and Curiosity Conversations, a newsletter and workshop designed to create better outcomes for the employee experience to increase innovation, employee engagement and retention, and overall productivity through increasing the amount of curiosity in company culture. Welcome, Robin. Hi, thanks, ladies. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. And thinking about curiosity, it's not something that I think people really stop and analyze and talk about very often. So very excited to get into this conversation. What sparked your interest in starting a newsletter or even thinking about curiosity as it relates to conversations? Um, That's a great question. Uh, So I'm naturally like curious people. There's like three stages of curiosity in general, right? I'm a naturally curious person. Some people nurture their curiosity or for some people it just, it doesn't even hit home. And so actually I am, I have a children's book series all about curiosity. It's called Where's Robin? Where I use travel to nurture that curiosity skill. And the whole basis is we all have different interests, but the act of curiosity is the same skill, like learning to walk. And it's, it's a skill, it's almost like a muscle that gets stronger over time. And you can nurture it, you can make it stronger, you can be more agile, but it's the foundation for everything in life, from your relationships, from your communication, to your ability to engage with people, to trust, that ability to show up really is the heart of curiosity in any part of your life, online, in person, wherever you are. And so um, I used to teach resiliency workshops to kids. It was called Dream Plan Go. So I would teach kids from like age five to eighth grade. Um, I had different like levels of content. I would deliver these workshops called Dream Plan Go to teach kids curiosity as a tool to develop resiliency in life. Like very basic ideas, how to develop an idea. And a lot of teachers would come back to me and they said, wow, I wish I had that skill or, or I wish someone talked to me like that. Or so I got a lot of feedback from adults saying that, wow, could you, if there was adult content on this, I would listen to it. I would learn from it. And that started the path. And the path started actually with a newsletter because I was meeting so many people. And it really was a newsletter addressed for learning and development professionals and companies. And it started out in May, 2019, I think at this point, and it was growing. Um, it's only once a month. And it's, um, it grows about 20 people per day. So it's getting passed along, which is pretty awesome. Um, it's a very, I don't abuse email lists. I take like, you know, if I have your attention, I take it very seriously. And every month I, I talk about 100 or 200 words on a theme on how you can apply curiosity in life to any particular content. And I share five articles related to the topic very simple, very curated. And it's something that you, it's like a little bit of like, it's like a snack. But it's a useful snack and it helps you and it can help you in work and life. And that was this the journey on curiosity to developing content and teaching mostly professionals um, in large companies, just communication techniques on to help them have better outcomes. Because the goal is really, if you understand curiosity, um, you can build bridges really. And building bridges is at the heart of better relationships. Better relationships lead to just better outcomes for everything. 
um, being more authentic. Um, yeah, that's, that's my short story. I think that's so important. Curiosity, I think can foster a lot of relationships and can be, like you said, the bridge to communication, to connecting with somebody maybe that you don't have much in common with. And I think like, I try and be curious in my life when I ever encounter anybody who's different than me, has different beliefs than me, has different backgrounds than me. And I, it, it creates this common ground and kind of safe place to create those connections, I think. Um, but speaking back on your email list, we actually saw one of your blog posts that sparked this interest in this podcast, which was on curiosity and trust and respect. So Trisha and I found that super interesting in regards to communication because I've never thought of all three of those as somehow connected. Can you get a little bit more into that? Yeah, and I'm I'm so happy we can talk about it because it's really the basis of everything from every topic you see out there. But if someone, if you don't trust the person you're engaging with or respect them, you might be physically there, but you're not mentally listening or engaging or likely to participate. And so um, just like you were saying about meeting different people, I naturally believe everybody has good in them. I, I really see that even with all the craziness that there's good in someone and I kind of believe something went wrong and they took a different path but that's their journey they need to go on. So I respect that choice. Um, but when it comes to like curiosity, um, it's so important to, when someone says something, if you disagree with them, um, I, and I really, and it's not easy for me, but to take the, that extra step to understand where they're coming from, what was their experience? Because we're all, we're all living life through our own experience, our own education, family, community, some people don't have communities. Um, I'm Armenian. I come from a crazy strong community. So it shapes our beliefs, our thought systems, our word choices. And sometimes a lot of people don't take the time to know themselves first. So um, we're all just figuring it out. And sometimes if you ask questions and ask them in a assertive manner, um, and that's what I try to do a lot with the workshops is teach people to be more assertive, less aggressive. Right. So more assertive is clarifying, it's connecting, it's building bridges to understanding, just like you said, with meeting people of different backgrounds. Look, I actually I find that really fascinating because I want to I want to know everything and experience everything. But I do realize not everybody has that desire, drive or interest. But at the same time, it's like, oh, OK, it's a bit of information. Um, and that's what I try to strive with all the time. But I try to give people those tools so that. The aggression side, right, is what? It's emotional. It's angry. It's It tends to veer for, instead of being constructive, it tends to go down the destructive path, right? And, um, and, so, and it's a lot what we're seeing right now with political rhetoric and community building. So instead of like healing and growing and being better collectively, you lead to more um, resentments, hostilities. And particularly when it comes to personal relationships, um, and this is something my mom and I debate all the time. My mom's like, just let it go, let it go. It'll disappear. And the reality is, is when you have a disagreement with somebody, um, curiosity is the best tool in, in, or any, any type of uncomfortable moment. And I say specifically uncomfortable moment because we all have different things going on inside of our heads. Um, my mom's like, just let it go. It goes away. And I said, no, it doesn't. It festers whether it's a, an uncomfortable moment or resentment, it's like a bank. And I think there's some study where every 10, 10 positive interactions counteract one negative. 
So think about that. So if you just to maintain like an, if you, to forget that one negative moment, you need 10 positive. I don't know what it is, but it's like some study. I've done chat. I'll go look for it afterwards and give it to you. But um, it's all important to address it in the moment, right? To deal, learn to have uncomfortable conversations. Like we don't, we, we, if we don't learn how to have uncomfortable conversations when we're younger with people that we trust and respect, um, it leads to different, it just has bad outcomes. Um, and it's so important now, whether it's politics or religious or lifestyle choices, it's like learning. So curiosity is the, the basis. Like, can you help me understand your values different than mine? Your experience is different. And then actually it helps you be open to disrespecting the choice. Cause so often it's so easy to just ter- ignore, not respond which leads to what resentment, hurt feelings. Um, but sometimes just the acknowledgement um, of what's going on. And I use curiosity too. I do have my blocks, like just I'm tired sometimes and that's okay. But I circle back, especially now, I don't know about you, but with COVID, it just feels like we've accelerated forward into the future, like at hyperspeed. Like I feel like I'm on a spaceship, but I don't know what planet we're going on. So for me, that's something I do every day. Like using curiosity to double down into my feelings, to double down into how I'm talking to people. Um, am I even in a mental place to talk to people? Like, so I know, for example, myself, when I'm so exhausted at a certain point in the day, I'm useless and I'm not going to think intelligently. And so I have, like, for example, I've learned like with triggers, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to turn off and it's okay. And I give myself permission to say, it's okay. I can't be everywhere. Um, and take care of myself. So these are all like different things that kind of intertwine together. Because when you use curiosity, you are being aware of your emotions, your headspace, your headspace to take your words and your action. No, and they're all intertwined, right? Because it starts from here up in the head in our emotional state. And um, all that awareness comes down to like, how am I feeling? What do I need in this moment sometimes? Yeah. So that's definitely true. And it's very difficult when we're in the heat of the moment to, you know, use our logic instead of our emotions. But I want to go back to something you said earlier and even going off that component of the emotions and connecting everything. Could you give us an example of an assertive question as opposed to an aggressive one, particularly in an emotionally charged environment. It's very easy to become aggressive or defensive. So I'm just curious if you have any examples of ways we can approach it in an assertive but not aggressive way. Um, Yeah, that's a great question. So one of my favorite phrases I use all the time is because I'm, as you can tell, I'm very energized. I'm very passionate. And for example, if you're not, if you're more like low key and introverted, I come off sometimes like my sister-in-law, it's very easy for her to feel that I'm steamrolling her with my energy. So, um, my favorite question is, um, have I said something to offend you? And, um, and then I, and I try to say it in a, in a text message, I, you know, I try to very, very simple, but in person, like, Hey, I'm curious, have I said something to offend you to show care one concern, um, just checking in. Um, one of the things I've learned in general, like from a lack of response, just because there's no response, it could be there. It, I to not take it personally and start screaming louder. I think what's happening in our cult culture is we don't get, we don't see the outcome we necessarily want and people get angry. Um, so I always try to say, 
have I done something? Have I said something to offend you? Or can you help me understand? That's also the other powerful one when it comes to differences of opinions. Cause that's saying, um, it's like whoever I'm engaging with, it gives them permission to be more open and it creates a safe space. And when I use those words, what I'm trying to establish is um, I want to have a conversation and it's safe. It's non-judgmental. I'm not going to attack you. I even like when you said, I'm curious before that yeah. other phrase that you mentioned too, I think that like landed even more gently with me in a way that kind of unarmed me. And I like that phrase too. Yeah. Cause did you at least feel like I'm trying to understand what's happening or what you're thinking or just make sure you're okay. I mean, one of the things also I've learned in this current environment is no one's okay. And I've learned to say, no, I'm not okay, but I'm hopeful. Um, But a lot of people can't, or they don't want to even be that vulnerable. And so they don't know how to. And so um, I'm sure you've had very odd interactions in your life at this past, what, six, nine, eight months at this point, I've, I've lost track. Groundhog's Day, like, and um, people aren't okay, and people don't necessarily have community, and they don't necessarily have family, but um, I call them COVID reactions, um, where there's so much building up, and they have no one to have these communications, they don't have people they really trust, or they don't know how to trust others, and so they just let it out, and it might be at the person in the Apple store trying to help them fix their phone, and it has nothing to do with the phone. But it's just the medium, right? Because so much is closed, so much is normalcy is closed, so much lack of connection. You really have to navigate very differently. Like we're not, and I'm a hugger too. So I call them COVID explosions. I don't take them personally um, because I know it's not about me. It's something going on. But the one thing I learned, particularly with a college roommate last week when this happened was I was shocked by her reaction. Some Armenian and I'm asking everybody I know for help to call Congress, to raise money, and somebody I lived with in college responded so rudely and shockingly, someone I've known for like 20 years. And when I got off the, the interaction out of the, the conversation, I was like, that's really weird, actually. And I look back now and I go, I didn't ask her if she's okay. I only cared about I, myself. And I didn't ask her if she's okay. So I went to another friend. I'm like, is she okay? And then my friend was like, no, she broke her foot. Her friend's mother died. All this stuff. And I felt so bad that I just was all about me in that one moment. And sometimes we forget about the other person. And that's the other part of it is like being more inclusive, like recognizing we're all experiencing a trauma at some point, you know, different, I don't know. It's like, we're always like mercury record retrograde. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's hugely important, especially right now, but even when we're not in a terribly traumatic catastrophic year, but just using the curiosity to remember it's not about you. Maybe the person hasn't responded to your text because they're mad at you. Maybe they're in the shower. Maybe they've had a really stressful day. Maybe they got in a car accident. Maybe they broke their foot, whatever the case may be. And so it's really important, like you said, after that conversation to realize like, oh, I didn't even know what she was going through. And so maybe her lashing out at me had nothing to do with me or what I was asking. And so I love that point. We talk a lot on this show about taking perspective, but framing it as curiosity 
almost makes it more fun. It's just making it a game of like, oh, what could possibly going be going on with this person besides me and taking ourselves out of our own heads and stop thinking so much about ourselves and thinking about the other person is crucial to successful conversations and relationships. And it de-escalates any pressure and it puts a more positive energy, like puffins, it lightens it up somewhat. And um, it's one of the things that's become very obvious is not everybody knows what's going on with themselves in their moment. And, and I've had this, for example, happen a few days ago where I'm like, I know I'm experiencing something and a friend helped me vocalize. He goes, you're experiencing X, Y, Z. And I, but I was able to have the skill set and awareness to be like, I didn't know what's going on. And I would talk and describe. So I was using my curiosity to kind of go through what's going on, a series of events that had transpired and why it was feeling wrong. And he was able to like help me label. And that's, as you do, use your curiosity, you become more self-aware. So you'll learn like what you need and who to go to, to have those um, conversations and to be vulnerable really comes down to trust, trusting others. Um, I'm very open. Not everybody is, but I've also learned that um, the key to being open is always being living in your integrity, um, being open and honest, like that track record. And that starts with um, yourself, actually learning to trust yourself. Um, You know, if you're feeling sad, you're feeling sad. Don't ask, your neighbor, how you're feeling, right? I can't read your mind. And that's the next point I wanted to address that people aren't mind readers, but sometimes, especially kids, like kids will, uh, my friend's a psychologist for kids. And she says, you know, kids understand trauma, but what ends up happening is they're reacting and they need adults to help guide them for, to open it up and communicate it. And a lot of adults also, even though we're older, we don't have, some people don't develop those skills to talk and open and share for various reasons. Maybe they learned it in their parents taught them. They, along the way, they learned that it was bad. Someone modeled that it was bad. It had consequences. They were shamed. So they have some kind of negative stigma going on in their subconscious. So even in your work life, um, think about that, like somewhere along the line, some boss or colleague, you know, there was some kind of bad action type. Like there's that ghost that haunts you until you really understand like what happened and work through like, Hey, why is this wrong? So I use curiosity all the time to go when things happen and a little thing goes off in my head, like a light bulb, like, well, that's odd. Well, that's weird. And so I, I take the time to understand it. So it doesn't fester because if we don't, um, in these interactions, for example, um, it could just, you know, relationships either get stronger and grow or they die and they die or they go nowhere because like these cracks and the cracks fester and our lives get busier. So you have less room and less time. I just try to always, um, and it, it's not easy. None of this is easy, but we're talking about this takes a bit of work, but it's like anything in life, right? The more you work at it, the more natural it becomes and the easier it will be um, to, to live, to follow certain principles, to have certain disciplines. I mean, think of it. We brush our teeth every morning. That's a discipline. For me, it's the first thing I do out of habit. And they're like small little habits. And these are really small tweaks to put into our lives, but they're applicable everywhere. This reminds me a lot of a conversation and almost argument I had with my boyfriend about probably two or three weeks ago. We were cooking in the kitchen and I brought something up and his reaction was so 
unexpected on my end. I was so confused about what his reaction was. He became all tense and just kind of shut down. And I was thinking, this is so weird and not like him. And so what I did instead of just, well, actually, I can't give myself any credit. I did get angry and I was like, why are you being so weird? (laughs) But once I kind of took a step back, I gave him some space to deescalate. And then eventually he came forward and said, oh, like whatever you said, I forget what it was about. But he said that was like something that happened in a previous relationship. So giving him that space and time, like, and opportunity for me to step back and be a little curious about, huh, that's not his typical reaction. Like, this isn't something I typically see from him. Let's, let's get a little curious and wonder why, like, what are those triggers? And I think that's so important, not only in romantic relationships, but personal and work relationships, like you're saying, like, what is that background information that I'm missing that's causing this reaction or this statement or whatever? Right. And that's, and what you're doing is showing you're caring because you could have very easily reacted and engaged in battle. And so you gave him space to deescalate and ask questions. And hopefully you ask, you triggered, you, you can't read his mind. And you're, if you're in a relationship with people, you don't want to have to tiptoe and dance around them because we aren't mind readers. And, but if someone demonstrates a pattern of exploding or whatever, because you say something they don't like, that's representative of what's going on in themselves and then, and you can find ways. So with curiosity and conversations and with, from a pur- purpose of nurturing and strengthening relationships, the trust and respect in relationships, it's so important to like learn how to be assertive, to navigate around that, right? So the only thing you can control is yourself. So you want to be a bit more, so you were trying to be assertive and that took a little bit of um, just changing a little things right now. But then he also at the same time, whether it's your, a boyfriend or a parent or a child, not the child, because they're still growing and they're learning, an aunt, um, if they care, they need to show up also and help work through, because work through whatever's going on their side, um, because the relationship will just die. It'll, or like, so say you ignored that event and let it go. Well, okay, you ignored it, but it's going to happen again. And it's going to keep happening because people have, track records and we're just patterned we've got patterns of behavior but if your boyfriend loves you I'm sure he might have acknowledged that and said he could over time he could see the difference like this is my reality now that was my reality then and he has to disassociate the behavior from the person because you are not an entire relationship exactly and that takes the fact the the fact that he did eventually share like what was that background for him too because we could have gone forward and I could have given him space and he could have cooled down and then it would have just like you said been this weird blip and weird moment and we could have ignored it but the fact that he also shared and this time that I gave him space to share I think fostered that more um, forgiving and open environment for that vulnerable moment right that's huge so I'm happy you could have that because that's that's human evolution and can you imagine if people could do that in work, in politics, military, interpersonal? Like it would have such better outcomes everywhere. And it's, it's. I'm sure you understand this more than anybody that communication should be something. We we give people driver's license, but we don't teach them how to talk to each other. We don't teach them how to balance their checkbook. But this is like if if you don't understand each other, it just circles. And sometimes I wonder if people in power want that to use it to their, uh, their, sometimes I wonder if if people up there pulling the strings want to be manipulative. I don't know, but I'm going to just do my thing. Be positive. I'm actually super curious. This conversation has brought up 
um, in my mind, not only politics, <laughs> but also Black Lives Matter movement going on right now. And something that I've been watching that I think has been a good model for me of Curious Conversations has been this web series called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Oh, I saw that? that. It's so well done. And he, I love that he's taken different snippets of different, like a family, a mixed race couple. It's so well done because it's bringing his experience to the table. I think it's, it's such a good model scary. of like, yeah, it's such a good model <laughs> of curious conversation too. Would you like agree that that like would be a good model for people to watch if they wanted to see an example of curious conversation? Or do you have any other resources for people to kind of use as models? Because I think you're right. Like we need information on how to do this. Like you said, like a driver's license, but a license for communication too. So in that facet, I think it's so well done because um, he's taking his personal, because what, what became clear to me is, he spent his life dancing between worlds. And so something what's come up in the last few years, and I never understood this, um, like there's certain conversations black communities have within black communities against the opposite when they're dealing with white people. Whereas I just thought they were nice people, like they, at least in my experience of who I've met and it wasn't my whole world, but I loved how he addressed it in segments and created bite-sized, here's how families can address it. Here's how the different segments because they are different and there are different issues in, in relationships with kids. Um, and he did it in a very way that's safe. So his message is being received because he's not screaming in the streets, destroying property and being destructive. He's taking the more constructive approach. And just like, for example, I talked to you, told you, like I have certain, when it comes to communication, certain phrases I use as bridges, like the content, like what's happening on either side of the river is different, but the bridge it opens up, it creates a safe space. And because he has trust with people, and I'm not talking about trust from his, it probably helps his prior professional experience. He has a certain base, but he's doing it in a way that's trusting. One, um, it's creating a safe, vulnerable space. So people like me or you or will listen and hear, right? Like my wall is down. I trust him as a teacher and he, it's, he cares so much, which is so clear about delivering a message with intention. He's not just talking to talk, like like some media personalities or some influencers and you, you get off, you list, you turn off the TV, you're like, well, I didn't learn anything. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't help my life. It just took up 20 minutes. But he's very, he's very aware that he's like, I'm only gonna have your attention for 10 minutes. And in those 10 minutes, my goal is for you to understand this lesson. And he's doing it, um, and I don't know where this comes from, but like, I feel like in my parents' generation, they learned through fear, guilt, and shame, right? As manipulation tools and not influence. And um, it's like a rhetoric the baby boomers have as a tool. And I see it, and it, what does it teach? It teaches narcissism and that's not healthy on every level. And that's the key for not solid relationships and, um, relationships that are built on trust and respect because those are like the foundations for everything um so no I love his series um and I just think I have, it's so well done I haven't seen the series definitely will check it out but I'm curious because you mentioned you have these bridges that you use in different conversations do you mind giving us a few examples of those yeah so the basis of all of them just so you know are thought are using word choices and sometimes managing your tone too. Like, as you can tell, I have a very like emotional 
energized voice. Some people have monotone, but the goal is for the words to be received, right? That to maintain spaces that are gracious, complimentary, caring, generous, connecting, acknowledging, listening, because we all have a fundamental need to be seen and heard, our ego, right? That's the doorway. That's like the wizard's box that needs to get open. And we want to engage people and we want to be thoughtful. So here are some of my favorite ones. So if I'm trying to understand what's going on with you, um, as I mentioned before, is can you help me understand? Did I hear you correctly? Um, Can we do something about that? How can I support you? Or this is another one, which is not, I'm so glad you shared that with me, which is more of a, just, um, I don't have anything to say, but I'm just, wow, I did not. Or you can also say, I had not thought of it like that. That's another one that kind of de-escalates your ego. Or um, I say, sometimes I wasn't aware of that because we don't know everything. And there are people, for example, in this world, just constantly on Facebook all day long. I can't live like that, but you can, that's fine. So there's, we're all going to be showing up with different knowledge, different bases of knowledge, different experiences. And um, I also like to say, thank you for sharing this, especially if you're sharing something. So let, I can tell that you let down a wall or vulnerable. I like to say that one, but um but the one I use the most often is, have I said something to offend you? Because you don't know what's going to set somebody off. And I would rather them feel safe having a conversation with me than going around my back, going to my mother, going to my aunt. And I'm not joking. Like, I love my cousins, but a lot of us struggle in family relationships to be open and honest. And this is another topic. When it comes to trust and respect and people you love, sometimes people are so fearful of hurting their, their loved ones that they don't say anything. And it's not that they don't want to say anything. They don't know how. And that's why I use these phrases all the time with my family to let them know it's safe, that I respect them enough to hear what they have to say, even if I disagree with their choice. Um, And it allows me to still demonstrate that I'm supportive. A lot of people, um, when they shut down in conversations, it's because they don't feel supportive. So they'll filter in, in all aspects of life, right? In work, in friendships and love and family life. So I prefer to live life without a filter. And I, um, I try to use these words to be the bridges and conversations. So I'm being more certain. It helps me be more assertive without these phrases, certain things that happen or conversations feel very aggressive without the, and you might, I call them bridges, but like in grammar class in fifth grade, I think my English teacher called it prepositional or something for adjunctive or conjunctive phrases like you'd use in a sentence. It's conjunctive, I think. (laughs) As a speech pathologist, I'm like, oh yes, I know that one. (laughs) But But I also think it's so important, like all those bridges and phrases you're using, it's so important to pair tone with it too, because I think if your emotions can come and take the best of you, even using those phrases with a tone that that is paired with like aggression, it can still come off as not curious. So those phrases plus a genuinely genuine curiosity, I think is the best pairing. Would you agree? Yeah. And just like you walked away from the story to share with the boyfriend, like sometimes like I do, I have to walk around the block because I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so geared towards like, like your boyfriend, but I have that I have own awareness now and I really do care about people. So I'm trying to be mindful um, that that's part of it. And sometimes it's 
sometimes people are tired, they're hungry, they need water. And like, when we talk about looking at ourselves and our triggers, like for me, a physical trigger is I'm dehydrated. And it seems so basic. I'm drinking coffee all day long. I actually don't like drinking water, but I get, I dehydrate myself accidentally. And that can be a huge trigger for me. So I'm mindful of that. Getting hangry. Everyone knows people are cranky when they're hungry. So definitely take that into consideration when you're in an argument. Have you eaten today? No, and that's so true, right? And um, there are people in my life who, people that you're close with will know you have triggers and they'll be mindful and supporting you because I know my mom is very mindful of making sure my father is constantly eating. Otherwise he gets really, his, his blood sugar drops. And actually when you're, if you, when your blood sugar drops, that's a huge, you don't have the energy to switch on the light bulb. That's actually my Nana. Like we will go like one or two hours and we'll notice we're like, oh, she's being so cranky because of her blood sugar. And then we'll give her something and she's better. Like, it's so funny. It like takes us a little bit to figure that out because she can't communicate it. And so yeah. you figure it out yourself. Um, yeah. And we're all going so fast. Yeah. We're all running through our day and we're not necessarily, we're not necessarily sitting down and having family meals and slowing and stopping. And we live in this world that, I mean, I don't know about you. There's like 20 ways to get a hold of me. There's a phone number. There's a text message. There's a Facebook messenger. Now there's an Instagram messenger. Now there's WhatsApp. And I'm expected to monitor all these lines all day long. And it like our brains are not designed to be functioning, you know, like a air traffic controller communicating outwards and like constantly on awareness. Like, yeah, but food is huge. Food is a huge physical trigger. Yes. Well, this has all been wildly helpful. So as you know, we always like to end our episodes with a tangible takeaway for our listeners so they can take all of this good information and use it right after this episode. Do you have okay. any takeaways for our listeners? Yes. Yeah, so I have three pointers um, and they're going to address your thoughts, your words, and your actions. So when it comes to your thoughts, the most important thing about curiosity is, is about the curious mindset is learning to trust yourself. And that requires you to take some time and it's not comfortable until you do it. But like, once you learn to trust yourself, you can trust others. You'll be more respectful. And some of this trust might back into like very basic things like eating and self-care. And so once you learn to trust yourself, you're also not leading from assumptions and you're going to rely on facts and that will lead to very different outcomes. Um, the second thing is the words and phrases. It's basically when you're communicating with people using curiosity to have clarifying statements, to deliver them unemotionally, have cur- and it basically these phrases, what they do is they lead to curious conversations for feedback, both it opens the doors. Those phrases we just talked about are basically clarifying statements. So you're, the goal is basically, and I say this over to people, use, be assertive, avoid aggressive, and reduce anxiety <laughs> because no one wants to be attacked. No one really wants to be attacked. And, and often if you did something wrong, you, you know it in your head. You don't need someone to, to guilt and shame you. You're already doing that. And then when it comes to your actions and curious curiosity, what comes at the heart of it is really demonstrating inclusion, demonstrating care. And when we talked, I talk a lot about a bridge actions that develop, that support community that so that build bridges basically for community inclusion and care. And these actions might be, I'm just uh, giving examples, they're appreciative, they're empathetic, 
with your colleagues, your family. It's um, following through, living in integrity. All of those things show who you are as a person. So it's building a community, like not just thinking about yourself, thinking about your effect on others is the huge part of using curiosity with your actions. Like when you're mindful, like I do Y, it will help Z. Not do Y to help Y. So like yeah. kind of being in that, that place, because when you think about others in your relationships, it just fosters, it fosters trust, it fosters respect. You know, if you apologize, um, like learning to forgive or make amends, like those are all different. They're all bundled up in the same bucket. Yeah. Love that. So thank you. thank you for this entire conversation. It's been hugely helpful and insightful. Where can our listeners find you for more? Yeah. So I have a website where you can sign up for my newsletter and it's called curiosityconversations.co. So it's curiosityconversations.co. Um, I have a newsletter. I only send it at once, um, once a month. It's about 100 to 200 words. The next one's coming out shortly. And there's usually five articles curated. So I vetted them out. And it based, each article have a little theme that ties back into a lesson um, on curiosity and a different aspect of life. And there's also a Facebook group where we post articles and quotes and an Instagram group called Curiosity Conversations. And love for anybody who wants to join the community. And I'm going to be teaching another class year end. Um, welcome to sign up. Um, it's super fun. Uh, I think learning should be fun. So I try to bring that to my, my workshops and um, no, thanks for having me. I enjoy talking to you both today. Of course. All right. Thank you so much, Robin. We really appreciated having you on. Go my check her out on all the, uh, all the um, areas that she mentioned. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs>